My special guest in studio tonight on this edition of What's Involved is none other than Colin Brown. Hello, Colin. Hello, Dave. We haven't spoken to you for a, a long while. I, mean, I haven't spoken to you for a long while. Um, but I do, I get your mails on a Monday, every Monday. And oh, I great. read all about uh, what you're up to and everything. So uh, Colin Brown is from an organization. You are the chief. Yeah. With a capital C. With a capital C. <laughs> <laughs> of uh, Happy Sandpit. Yeah, that's right. Um, you and I first got to know each other and, and, and interact um, because of the book, um, which is a couple of years ago that you did it, How to Build a Happy Sandpit. But an absolute classic, I believe, still as relevant today as it was then. But let's let's go back in time a little bit and, and tell me a bit about Colin. Who is, is Colin and how did you become... You might hate the term, but I mean, let's let's call it instead of a guru, let's call you a culture specialist. Yeah, I think what I am is I'm is I'm I'm, I'm a curiousist or something like that. <laughs> like, a, like I have an itch I can't stop scratching. I'm really really interested in this, and 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 I'm, it, so it began for me. Um, so my background. Yeah, deep background is business journalism. Uh-huh. Um, I was in I was in Dubai during the nineties. Um, came down here, um, and then at a certain point started uh, with a couple of partners. Started a company called Sales Guru, which had a magazine. Um, oh yes, I remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the company's still going strong. Yeah. Um, magazine's no longer no longer a thing. But that was that was how we started out, and. Um, and then, and then, so, so I kind of got the entrepreneurial bug when I realized that journalism is in my blood, but it's not necessarily um, the best paid profession, right? <laughs> and as I got a bit older, I kind of thought, well, maybe, maybe. So, so, so I, I got into the whole notion of building things, and um, it's, it's, you know, with all of the lessons that go with that. But around about, and I, I don't remember the time now, but I think it was probably about 2000, between 2008 and 2010 anyway, um, I hired somebody who I, I, I frequently describe and I, and I solemnly believe to be the worst employee in the entire universe. Mm-hmm. Um, and this person taught me about the importance of hiring properly, about the importance of organizational structures, being able to sort of absorb bad people and, and be able to either, either sort them out or spit them out. Um, essentially, they taught me about culture. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I realized what I knew was nothing um, at all. So I went back to my business journalism roots. I, I kind of decided on a, a, a sort of a side project. <clears throat> Excuse me. So I went off to uh, um, start interviewing, and, and, and I figured the easiest thing in the world would be to just phone some of the business contacts that I had and do some interviews about culture with them, how they hired, how they built their businesses or whatever. And as I began to realize there was something bigger at hand, I got a little bit more audacious. So I began to knock on the door of Alan Knott Craig and Raymond Ackerman and Ivan Epstein and Alan Ambor and all of these sort of great South African business founders um, to f- try and find out what they knew and how what they'd experienced. Um, and the result of that was How to Build a Happy Sandpit, the, the book that um, originally was out end of 13, uh, revised in the middle of 15. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so just, just looking at South African businesses and, and how they've built, uh, those that have built exceptional culture and driven high, high levels of employee engagement, how they did it. Which is fascinating because I always used to say I was unemployable because I didn't play well in the sandpit right. with other children. So when, when I came across the book, I was like, okay. But now, I mean, a company is a company is a company. You are, you know, you, you, you join a company, you go and sit in front of HR, they read your CV and ask you how much of it is made up or whatever the case may be. <laughs> and, then, and then you get it. So what is this culture thing? And, and talk to me about culture. Why, why in a business is it important? And... Is it only important for large large corporates? No, no, no. And, and if I, it's important for everybody, but I think I think to be honest with you, it's 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 
almost impossible for some large corporates to get there anymore. See, the purpose of culture is to drive employee engagement. What we mean by engagement, an engaged employee is somebody who likes where they work and they like who they work with and they like who they work for and they like what they do for a living and they think it's a worthwhile use of their time. Remember, you're trading off a day every day of your life Mm. to go to work. Uh, So it would be helpful if you thought it was a worthwhile thing to do. Those sorts of people tend to be okay going into work and getting on with their stuff. Now, if you can take somebody like that and make them happy doing it as well, i.e. take the obstacles out of the way enable them to actually get on with it and produce excellent stuff, then you end up, you start to make the journey towards employee engagement. And culture fundamentally is the, the sort of the philosophy that underpins all of that. Your culture really is, is, is the philosophy of the organization. You're either a controlling organization or an enabling one. You're either a, you know, a, a sort of a, a people-focused one or, or a money-focused one, for example. And then you can drill down further and further and further into it. And there are a number, I mean, a huge number of South African organizations that are very culture-first. They're very, very focused on the notion that... One, one central understanding, okay? Employees are contractually obligated to come to work every single day. Mm. And they're contractually obligated to do their jobs. But they're not contractually obligated to care, to do it with a great attitude, to go the extra mile, to do any of that stuff. They get to pick that every day. And as much as we'd like to be able to control them, we can't necessarily do so. They get to choose that. So what we should be doing is creating environments that make them want to choose it. And companies that are focused on culture do that. Ah, because very often, I mean, you walk into to any corporate just about and there on the wall proudly displayed is our mission statement, yes. our values. Yes. And you, you look around and you go, well, do people that work here ever read that? Yeah. I was at a place um, a little while ago and they certainly didn't do any of that. And it was big and bold. It took up almost one whole wall behind the reception desk. Yeah. Um, give us examples of, uh, you know, I mean, what you talk about to me who has sort of notoriously been unemployable. Um, maybe it's, I don't know, it's a whole combination of things. But, you know, um, it, sort of in a place like, it sounds ideal. I mean, it sounds like you're saying to me, the stuff you hear about the Googles of the world and those places in Silicon Valley where they've got the, the bean bags and the pinball machines and, and they, they're producing massive results. It sounds almost like a pipe dream, though. Well, so let's just, let's just divorce a couple of notions. The first one is... Google has beanbags and skateboard ramps and free food and all of those wonderful things. And those are perceived to be some of the artifacts of a successful culture. But I think there's a bit of a halo effect thing going on. Google's already successful because it's Google and it can have skateboard ramps and all that kind of thing because when you hire the creme de la creme, you've got to let them cool off a little bit. Mm -hmm. I.e., those things are not about motivating people to work because they're already super motivated. I mean, it it allegedly hires one of every thousand people that apply there. So it's getting the best of the best of the best. Okay. So it's it's not worried about motivating people to do their job. Perhaps it's worried about people burning out or something like that. Or maybe it's just fun because they, they, they can do whatever they want. But you make a mistake in thinking that that's what culture is, and and, and, and many organizations will do that. They'll, they'll try to sort of, uh, sort of jazz up the, the working environment and achieve absolutely nothing. Because l- largely, when I say it's about philosophy, I mean it deeply. Largely, the frustrations people have are that they fundamentally want to do a decent job. They fundamentally want to, you know, please you. Um, for the most part, that describes people pretty well, I think. I don't think too many people deliberately want to de- let you down or disappoint you or, or waste their time. So most of them want to do something decent, but they can't because the environment stops them from doing it. Mm-hmm. So you're a great customer service person. You love people. You get a real kick out of getting people, like getting a smile on their face, but you're not allowed to do anything unless you phone upstairs and, and ask permission and, and all that kind of stuff. That's the problem. Philosophically, the organization 
organization isn't set up to enable people to deliver culture so you may as well just not bother trying to hire great great, great sorry to deliver service so you may as well not bother trying to deliver great service people because you'll never get it out of them anyway because nine out of ten times in, in in south africa what you hear is is this old cliched saying now we can't complain about the service because there isn't any yeah specifically from service related industries um, I've been into, personally, I've been into uh, a couple of uh, entertainment slash casino slash entertainment complexes. And it's supposed to be all around service and the customer journey. And I'm kind of like, no. And then you think about, you know, what the guys must go through. And you go, okay, maybe I couldn't do that. Yeah, yeah. Okay, maybe if you're asking me to work from midnight until five, six in the morning, I'm not going to smile or something like that. But, I mean, I know casinos specifically put a lot of time and effort into that. What corporates, can, can you share any corporates with us that are that are successful? Yeah, well, I, mean, I, that are, that are, I mean, there's so many of them. And I mean, if I think about just the companies that are in the book, I mean, companies like, some companies are just universities for me. I mean, companies like Investec or King Price Insurance or Comair, um, the things that they, they know are things that, I mean, that's how, how a lot of my, my understanding of culture and how it plays out in South Africa um, actually evolved because they, they've been pioneering in this. Um, I mean, uh, the way the way Investec hires or the way King Price dares to sort of lay out its its uh, its organization, its its building and, and the way it inducts people and all of that kind of stuff. There's some clever things going on. I've We're actually, good at this down here. We are. I've actually met, uh, what is his name? It escapes me now because uh, I was at one of your courses with the CEO of... Oh, uh, uh, Gideon Galloway. Yes. Yes. And... I mean, initially, when, when you introduced him, I was like, there's no way this man is a yeah, CEO. He yeah, doesn't yeah. dress like one. He doesn't talk like one. He's only just 40. And I mean, that company is a two billion rand business now. It's, it's, it's amazing. It's amazing. But actually, you know, if you spend a bit of time with Gideon, the, the, the inside of that building, actually the outside of that building, looks like the inside of his head. Yeah. It, it's just, he's just, he's, it, some people have expansive visionary capabilities and some people don't. Yeah. But those aren't necessarily necessary either. One of the, one of the greatest leaders that I, that I, I, I knew, um, and he just recently uh, departed, was Eric Fenter at Comair. Mm-hmm. I mean, Eric was was a CA, right? I mean, he, he was extremely introverted, um, quite awkward in front of a crowd, very funny, always very gregarious, but, 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 but a bit self-conscious. But that man understood an enormous amount about how to drive great engagement inside an organization. And this was a company, by the way, that, that, that focused on driving extremely high levels of efficiency. In other words, it wasn't about luxury there. I mean, so we, we do these three-day field trips every, every now and then. Where we I take, was going to ask you about right. that. So we take executives out on the road and we'll go and visit a whole bunch of businesses and learn about culture. I'll talk about that in a second, but just, just an aside, we'd frequently go to like King Price Insurance and Comair on the same day. The King Price is like colorful. There's toys everywhere. It's, it's wild and amazing. Popcorn machines and slush puppies. Then you go to Comair and it's industrial and Spartan. Yeah. And yet... Culture works there equally as well. In fact, potentially better. I don't know. It's hard to measure one versus another. That's the thing about culture. But like the, the values are embedded there. People are getting on. The teamwork is strong. All, the results are being, people are innovating. They're doing amazing things because the way in which they've developed the values are right for the organization. People understand what their values mean. They understand why they're necessary. They can adapt to those. And so you've got a really great teamwork dynamic going on. And that's key to a, to a great culture. Well, there we go. We are chatting to my special guest in studio tonight, uh, Colin Brown from The Happy Sandpit. Uh, He's done a couple of things. Aside from the book, there's a new project. Uh, But when I come back, I want to find out where culture starts. So we'll be talking about that. It is a Monday night. What's involved? My special guest in studio uh, from The Happy Sandpit uh, is Colin Brown, the chief. Now, I said before we went into the break, Colin, I want to find out where, where does culture start? Because... 
you know, this show, we, I have a lot of people that, are, that, that work for big corporates and, and they, they listen. But also we have some small and medium, quite a few small and medium business owners that listen as well. Where does it start? Because I found, and, and I've been trying to decide because there's so many nice buzzwords I could use for what I do. I'm like a solopreneur or I'm a netpreneur no. or I'm just sometimes manure. But um, where does culture start? Because if you've got a big company and you haven't got it right, I think it's going to be an uphill struggle. So, so how do we start? Let's talk with us for with a few staff members. Yeah. So, so here, well, let's just let's just deal with that that last part first, if I may, Dave, because there's a challenge there. I mean, I think about large corporates that, um, and you think of some of the large organisations. The, the 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 owners have left the building. Um, the um, you know the, the the sort of the leaders that are the, are the original leaders have left the building. It's now a publicly traded company. Shareholders mostly are pension funds, and they care about dividends, returns. They don't really care about what it's like to work there. Mm. And I wonder whether organizations like that, they tend to have lost their soul, whether they can actually get that back, whether it's possible for large organizations to reinvent sufficiently. Because the problem with it is, it starts not in any particular place or with any particular person, but it starts with authenticity. Any of us can reinvent. You can reinvent yourself and decide to become something else. You can decide to become Robert Smith of the Cure if you want to. Mm. As long as you're authentic about it, sooner or later, I'm going to start believing it. I'll be like, well, the guy really means it and he's really trying hard and actually he's not bad at this, right? And that's kind of what we're trying to deal with with organizations and culture. If we're going to say something, if we're going to do something, and we do it authentically and it, and it starts to feel right over time, the culture can shift. It can't just happen as a project, however. So it's easier for people to to sort of uh, for for the, for the origins of great culture to start with the founder of an organization. Uh, or, or indeed the origins of bad culture, by the way, to start with the founder of an organization. Mm. It's easy to start when the organization's small. Uh, and because ultimately what you're doing is you're trying to create a reflection of yourself, a reflection of something that you like. And as once that starts to sort of perpetuate and, and you find people who are able to um, sort of carry that forward, and I'm talking about a philosophy, a set of beliefs, a set of processes, a way of doing things, a way of feeling about things, the way you react to stuff, the way you speak it to each other, whatever it might be, those things form the genesis of, of culture, if you like. Um, but I mean, mm. authenticity, really, I think you can do it midstream. You just got to get real about it. Because what happens a lot with small businesses and, and, and you know, as you start to grow, um, as the, 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 the founder of the business, you kind of jack of all trades. So you do a bit yeah. of everything. So first of all, there's the control issue about letting go and yeah. letting somebody else come in. But then also you go, oh, we got so big. Oh, crap. Okay, well, Auntie Sue, um, she used to do books back in 72. So let's get her in to do yeah. this. And then, uh, you know, the brother-in-law, well, he did this. And, and suddenly you, you've got a business, but there's a bunch of people in it that shouldn't be there and that yeah. you don't like. Yeah, yeah. So, so is that something as an entrepreneur I should be thinking about and thinking about in terms of what I want my business to do and grow, this is how I want it to be. So I think it's it's a, it's a difficult one that because I think you know some some people and, and we we were talking earlier on about companies like like uh, King Price for example, Gideon didn't start a business in order to to hire his 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 family and friends. He started a business to scale something huge, and that meant from the outset he was always looking for cool people, good people, smart people who could help him build a business, and yeah. and that was kind of that. So you're not actually getting caught up in that that kind of thing where you've got um you know your your auntie or your mother or your your brother or whatever. If you are in that situation then i would say it's it's you you're probably you're probably already building something that is that is a bit um afraid of change anyway that's probably not necessarily an organization that's ever going to be known as an organization with a great culture mm -hmm. okay. uh, generally i mean if uh, cultures 
definitely grow and thrive through diversity as much as anything else. Add people who can bring new dimensions and new ideas and you start to get closer to to, to doing something great. And this is where you talk about engaged staff, where somebody would have the freedom to go, listen, I think I should do this, or or I think we can do that, or how about this, and, and a bit of latitude in decision-making as well, because some corporates are very, very autocratic. Yeah, and, 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 and those... So I actually, in, in a way, I mean, I think about people that I know who work for large corporates, and what I know of them largely, not across the board entirely, but largely, they're smart people, they're educated, they're experienced, they're skills, and, and, and they could do amazing things, but the, the environment in which they work precludes them from doing so. Mm-hmm. In other words, what they are is, is people who are constrained by the organization. Those people tend not to be terribly engaged because they know they can do more. They know they could do better things. Yeah. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean the people who are free to do everything they want are, are fully engaged either. I mean, some sort of a structure is a, is a good thing. And, and I know a lot of organizations that, that I've worked with that have been much more freewheeling have discovered that structure is, is a good thing as well. Mm. So, so it's a double-edged sword, you know. Um, but certainly, unless you're hiring drones, which you probably aren't, People have generally got something more to give. They 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 can be trusted to come up with some ideas. Their their opinions are worth listening to, and and organisations that do that kind of stuff more tend to drive higher levels of engagement. It's it's a definite fact. Now, what happens if somebody's listening now? Maybe they're in, in the car on their way home, in the office, still, whatever the case may be, and they go, "Yikes! Okay, clearly we do not have this this culture that that drives engagement." We need help. I mean, are you busy? Do, do, do people, yeah. are, you know, South Africans are traditionally very arrogant, I think. Um, and we kind of think that we can sort out everything ourselves. Um, are there co- companies out there? You mentioned King Price, you mentioned Kame, but do companies come to you and go, Colin, listen, um, sure. we, we think we need some help. And what sort of help do you give them? Do you start from the ground up about and say, okay, let's have a look. What is your mission? What is your vision? Do you sure. start with that? Yeah, exactly. So, so, the, 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 so it, it starts with the underlying philosophy. Let's try and uncover what your underlying philosophy is because that tells us what where we are and what we're all about so that that very often is a matter of discovering what you live and die by and that means doing some deep introspection and often it's uncomfortable but through that process we should be able to pull out some ideas which can fundamentally they, they're, they're your core values they're the things that that matter most to you those core values are the underpinnings of your culture they're the things that um that describe well when i say what you live and die by i mean that literally they're the things that enable you to sleep well at night or or to get up and 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 go off to war um if you're if you're in alignment with those things most of the time we don't get those things right most organizations do not core values are actually nothing more than tepid lists of preferences i.e we quite like it if things were like this we put Mm. stuff on the wall it seems like it'll do the job we've ticked the box and we move on we're missing something because if you've got a deep understanding of your core of, of your of your underlying philosophy and you can articulate it through a set of core values which describe it then you've got all of the underpinnings of a strong culture, your ability to hire people, find people, align people, mobilize people, form teams around people, hold people accountable, all the stuff you want to do. It's crazy how little, uh, how, how few companies get that part right. Well, I mean, as you're talking about this, I mean, it, it, it seems a bit like nirvana to me, you know, to, to, to wake up in the morning um, not being self-employed because that's an entirely different thing. Yeah. But, but to, to wake up as an employee and go, you know what? I I'm, I'm, can't wait to get to work. I can understand as an entrepreneur, you're driven, you're passionate. I mean, I love getting up and going to work, even though at the moment it is just down the passage, uh, which is a big plus in my life. But, you know, on the occasions where I've worked uh, in corporate uh, culture before, I haven't. I, I literally, 
I felt stifled. I yeah. felt the collar and the tie in those days. I, it was just no, yeah. no. So I can imagine that that. Well, I can't really imagine that that feeling of I want to go to work, and yet I know there are people that are like that. Well, I think I think most people kind of like the work they do and kind of like where they work. I think most people could be made much happier if 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 we we were focused on building environments that drove engagement instead of focused on building environments that that drove results. I mean the the greatest irony in the world is that engaged people drive results and and you don't have to manage them as much, you know? And so if you're focused on the operational matters in the bottom line, you're just giving yourself an upstream problem, which is the people. Yeah. Because it only happens if the people are engaged. Focus on the engagement, the rest happens. I mean, not exactly one, two, three, but fundamentally that's that's the order of things. Yeah, well, I've, I mean, I've, I've heard stories from people that, that, that I've come across because I, I would love still to, to, to actually get uh, Gideon in here and have a chat to him. Um, but, I mean, King Price was seen as this, this little snotty-nosed child that came on and everybody that was in the, the insurance industry sort of poo-pooed them. Um, and then you hear how people that, that work there absolutely adore it. Yeah. Um, Gideon is, is almost universally loved. And apparently, uh, uh, this is hearsay now, but he rides around the offices on a bicycle. Well, so I don't know if he still does anymore. It's a bit more, <laughs> a bit more there is a scooter track all the way through the place now, so they do actually ride that. But the first time I met him, he nearly killed me riding across the mountain, the, 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 the call center on a mountain bike. Um, so that was our first, our first interaction. Uh-huh. Yeah. But I mean, you know, I think the thing about it is we, we are a country where there are numerous problems, social problems, the differences between the haves and have-nots are massive. Yeah. I mean, they say we're the most most um, what, what's an imbalanced country in the world, unequal country in the world, yeah. to our great shame. So in, for, in order for us to build great organizations in, in, in this environment, we need to be conscious of some of these things. It, it, only does us, it only does us good when we do so. And those companies that have dared to put this kind of thing first, um, companies that we visit on our three-day field trips, like, like, uh, like Intellect, in, which is a software development company in, in Melrose Arch, an amazing organization that understands this stuff. They're not alone. There's a, there's, we can find a, a number of companies that are like this. And those that are brave tend to have engaged employees. It's not a secret. It's not a mystery. Mm. Not a surprise. So obviously people in South Africa and indeed internationally, because you do travel internationally, uh, need, need this advice and help. You've gone a step further. And when we come back, I want to talk about that step further because I think it is absolutely brilliant. My guest in studio, uh, CEO, the chief at uh, the Happy Sandpit. So uh, if you want to check it out, happysandpit.com is where to go. My guest in studio, Colin Brown from the Happy Sandpit. Okay, so two things I wanted to do. I said... Uh, there's, there's one new development, which I'm very, very excited about. And then also you, you've mentioned this, this field trip. Yes. Uh, wh- what's that all about? So, so round about, it, it is literally what it is, is we, we, we go around for three days, we take executives, we put them on a bus, and we go and do a field trip. So like, like, like kids going to a museum. Only what we'll do over three days is we'll go and visit seven businesses um, to learn about culture. So while we're there, we'll have a tour, we'll, we'll meet the senior executives, usually the, the country leader, CEO, whoever it might be, mm-hmm. the founder, if that's appropriate, um, if there is one there. Um, we'll have a presentation, we'll get to ask all the questions we want about how they drive culture. And, and, and really what it was, it so the end of, I think it was, it was the end of 2016 that we first started doing this. And it was really, I noticed a sea change around about the middle of the year where people were starting to come up to us and say, you know, we're, we've got the problem. We, we, we've done all the reorganizing we can. We've done all of that stuff and nothing seems to be working. Maybe there is something to this culture and engagement thing, but where do we start? And so this was the answer, this was the answer to that question. Where do you start? Let's take you and show you. Mm-hmm. So we've done about 11 of them now. I mean, in September, we're going to see... Um, 
and I'll, I'll get this wrong, but we're going to see McDonald's and Missing Link and DHL and um, we're going to see AfriHost and Flight Center and Anglo-American Platinum and we're going to see Intellect. Um, so and it's seven companies over three days. And these are seven companies that you reckon have got the culture Culture thing. first. They are culture-first organizations. They're com- companies that get this stuff. They've, yeah. done, they've done immense work trying to find out how to drive engagement, and they actively do that first before they go about their operational matters. Because I think that something like that, a field trip, if I'm, if I'm sitting in a, in, a, in a leadership position and I'm going, okay, I know we need to make changes, I don't know how, if I can go and see other people and talk to them and go, yeah. okay, what have you done? What has this done? What is... That is a phenomenal value. And, and it's amazing stuff because, I mean, we really, do get, we really do get a hell of a lot of information. People are incredibly generous. We, we'll go and spend a couple of hours, two, three hours with each organization um, and, and learn about them. So we're, we're pretty busy throughout those three days. But the amount of information that comes out is extraordinary. I mean, we're really very, very lucky to have that. That's so. phenomenal. So September. So September 3rd, 4th and 5th is the next one. There'll be another one I'm working on um, now, later in the year. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, but typically we do sort of March, May, September, November. And, typically. Then, and then people would just mail you, obviously there's a, there's a cost involved. There yes, must there is, be, yeah, a, yeah, I yeah, mean, yeah. it's three days of your time. But all of that's on the website, on happysampit.com. You'll find all of that. So you can get all of that there. Mm-hmm. There's this a prospectus is, to download, which will tell you everything. Fantastic. Now, onto the exciting thing, because um, I've noticed uh, in some of the work we do, et cetera, et cetera, um, game Gamification in the workplace is becoming a thing. And um, when I was having a look through your stuff a little while ago, I was like, hang on a second, this is new. You've got a board game. Yes. So so tell me all about the board game and and why why a board game. I mean, it's it's fantastic and I've seen it and and I now get why you did a board game, but tell us why. So the the basic, so the the origins of it, I, I... thought we needed some sort of a mechanism in a workshop type format to help companies understand their core values. Because like I said before, most organizations tend to have a a mild set of preferences, not a deep set of core values. And so we thought it would be a good idea to set up a a, a scenario, a a workshop type format, which, which makes you interrogate your core values and resolve dilemmas. And so that was the beginning of that. And then we thought it'd be very interesting if we took those dilemmas outside of the context of your organization. So we take your core values, but now we take them out of your organization. So now they stand in isolation. Now we've really got to understand what the core values are. And we'll throw you a bunch of lose-lose scenarios and you have to decide whether to go left or right. And the only thing you can you can use to make your decision is the core values. And then because we were taking them out of context, we thought let's take them really out of context. So the game we used to play was you break up into teams each team represents a senior crew members of the Titanic and we're going to throw a bunch of dilemmas related to the Titanic at you and you've got to make decisions whether you go left or right and you can only use your core values do we do this or do we do that but then last year, I, I, I found myself in a situation where we were doing quite a lot of these workshops, and I had some back-to-back ones, and, and one client decided um, that they wanted two concurrent sessions instead of two consecutive sessions on the same day, and I needed a facilitator to help me do that, so I phoned up somebody that I knew, um, she came in, I gave her a briefing, we didn't have much time, and she went and ran a session on her own, and I realized it was quite easy to do, like it's quite an easy thing to play. Mm-hmm. Um, you just have to have, you know, you have to have some facilitation skills, and you must understand and believe that core values are important but if you've got that then you're probably okay to go so i thought well if that's the case then why don't we just turn it into a board game and put it in a box and that way we can just sell you a box and you can play it on your own um so there's a full set of instructions in there it's a it's a so you, you basically buy the box and and off you go so if this is for example if, if somebody's in in hr for example and maybe hr isn't the right people i don't know maybe the marketing guys need to do it but 
if you're in a position like that, they could literally get hold of you, buy the board game, and they could start this process of change and, and creating their very own happy sandpit via the board game. Well, and by the way, the board game's called Iceberg, by the way, just so that we're, <laughs> we're, we're, we're talking about the same thing. But yes, I mean, absolutely. I mean, the idea here is by the time you've, you've played a round of Iceberg, by the time you've played a game of Iceberg, and, 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 and whoever you've played it with, I mean, it could be the entire organization, and in many instances it is that, um, then you've got a whole bunch of data, a whole bunch of information that you've gathered because we're breaking into teams, we're debating, we're writing down responses, we're coming up with, and then we're presenting what we think we would do and how we were informed by the core values, how we got to that point so we're talking about how we've interpreted the core values and how we've we've done that but all of that information um if we were to facilitate for you we use that to create a report Mm -hmm. so you get a report at the end telling you how people understand the values how they're interpreting them whether or not there's alignment whether they actually understand them in the same way whether they were able to make decisions around them in the first place etc etc but if you if if you decided to facilitate on your own which is kind of the idea of the board game that you'd be able to do that then you just gather all of that information and you can go ahead and and create the report on your own but now let's Say, let's say we get the we get the board game, we play it, we've we've got all this data. Can we then come to to yourselves at Happy Sandpit and go, okay, like I got a whole lot of stuff here. Um, so we've set the groundwork. Help. I mean, you can then step in as well. Yeah. So at that point, what we've got is we've got a we've got a roadmap as to to what's actually going wrong. Mm-hmm. Because each of these dilemmas will reveal something about how the levels of trust inside your organization and how people feel about it or leadership, whether or not they trust leadership or whether there is um, a, 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 it's sort of a, a common understanding of integrity, whether we're very risk uh, prone or, or, or very process oriented or whatever. So those sorts of things, the way in which you go will tell you something about, about how you understand the values. And what we often find is that that's at odds with how the organization positioned the values. Mm. In other words, people are kind of going, well, we think we should go left, but the organization would definitely go right. So, there's a problem there yeah yeah so yeah we could do something we could help you to unlock all of that and put that put that into a sort of a format that makes sense to you now it's just been released uh, well released beginning a couple of months now the interesting thing you mentioned earlier on offer is um that you're selling this game internationally now i mean international organizations are seeing value yeah that was a surprise to us too you know, and I'm going, wow, this is this is awesome. I mean, this is South African innovation, South African kind of concept from the South African melting pot of yeah. culture and, and, and uh, corporate, and, and people are finding value in this. I mean, you were saying now the Dutch... Yeah, so 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 uh, there is a Dutch organisation that's looking at licensing this in Dutch and and selling it in, in the Netherlands for us. Um, I mean, we've 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 sold copies of this game to Australia, uh, Canada, the United States, Singapore, Bulgaria, Italy, the Netherlands. This is and this is without a sales and marketing strategy. So so all it was because the game came along and there's been a whole bunch of stuff in the pipeline already that we've been working on. We've kind of gone about it without 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 a sort of a very very sort of um, focused uh, focused intent. Mm-hmm. So really, it's been just just off LinkedIn mentions that these these games have been sold. Well, I thought that there was real room for this in South Africa, and it was developed for with South African organisations in mind. But it turns out that there's actually quite an interesting international market for this. So uh, that's that's cool. South Africa has, I mean, they have you know, taken advantage of this game. Please tell me yes. that, that, that there's a lot of sales in South Africa. Yeah, so obviously the majority of them are. When I talk oh, well, about, when I talk about the, co- the sales internationally, no, I, I mean, I can tell you on, you know, seven fingers how many <laughs> countries, um, but it was in South Africa. No, well, we're definitely getting some traction here. And, and um, you know, it's, it's actually nowadays, I mean, I'm always walking around with a box under my arm wherever I walk in to see somebody and yeah. I frequently walk out without it. Uh-huh. Um, so, you know, and then just invoice when I get back to the office. So no. that's kind of cool. What about somebody who has maybe a training 
or facilitation background, um, maybe an HR background. Would this be something that, that yeah. you, would, you would be happy to say to them, there you go, um, go off and, and, and you can now facilitate with this? Yeah, we already Because, do. I mean, you get good facilitators and you get bad facilitators. Yeah, and it, doesn't matter, it doesn't matter what kind of toys you have. If you're a bad facilitator, you're, much difference. you're not going to get hired. So here's, here's the, the – so, yeah, I mean, I'm happy. It's, it's a, consider it a board game. Consider it in a shop. If you want to go in and buy one, go ahead and buy one. You just come to us and buy one. Yeah. So, so it's for sale. So absolutely. Um, I mean, I think that if I was to advise who should buy one, I mean, you, you, you really ought to believe, first of all, that values are super, super important because mm. the entire game is underpinned by, by that. So that's, a, that's like a starting point. Mm. Um, if you're in that position and you already believe that, then you're, you're in good shape. If you don't, then it's probably not going to be particularly helpful. Um, but we, um, I mean, we find that in, in most organizations now, there is an increasing awareness that workaround values has to be done. And this is a great way to get that done, to, to sort of kick off that, that work. I think it's absolutely <clears throat> fantastic. Before I let you go, because uh, we're starting to, to, to run a little, a little low on time here, um, you've written how to how to make a, how to create a happy how to build a happy how sandbook. to build a, a happy sandbook. <clears throat> Brilliant book, thank you. Um, and and as I said, as relevant today as it was when it was first published. That's still available all over the place. Can you get it from the website? Yes, you can. You can get it or just 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 digital now. Um, so it's always been available on Kindle. Yeah. Um, so you can go to Amazon.com and buy it off Kindle. Download it. Yeah. <sighs> it's a horrible, horrible site. That you know what? Ever since they've done that one-click buy now button. Uh-huh. Oh man, I've been in trouble. <laughs> so you can get it. The, yeah. You can get it there as well. Yeah. Um, but you can still get the hard uh, hard copy of it. Yes, indeed. Yeah, yeah. Um, so what 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 is next for Colin Brown? I mean, is there another book we're waiting with bated breath? Yeah, and we've been waiting for a long time. So I've been working on it. It's been taking various forms. It's been going along, but there is there is another book in the pipes uh, as as I speak. Uh, it's underway, and I, I hope to have that out before this year is out. Um, and that's kind of the the goal I've set myself that it'll be out during that kind of October November lead up to Christmas type period. Um, and then um, and then and then uh, after that, I, I have a notion of what comes next. But actually. Actually, I think the, the, the next big thing for us will be a second board game um, and, and then maybe a third. Um, so we've got some, some ideas oh, really? about what those are going to be. Yeah, yeah. Um, sort of set up a... I mean, so, so having sneak understood... Sneak preview. Come on. Give us a sneak preview well, of what the games may be. So the second board game will be about change management. Um, definitely. I mean, that's one area where um, we... we we think there's a lot of work that needs to be done. Companies that make changes tend to make sweeping massive changes when they mean to change one thing. So it's a matter of sort of looking at the future, looking department of the future, department of nostalgia, and, and how, do we, how do we resolve an issue. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's one thing. The, the, the third one is a sales game, um, which we… Now um, that… Is that are you planning that in this year or not? No, 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 no. That's oh. that, so. So the second one, that'll be that'll be a twenty twenty thing. I think um, okay. it's, it's going to take a little while to get that absolutely right. It's quite complex to do to do that in a, in a way that is absolutely meaningful. Yeah. Um, and we want it to be really great. Um, but okay. that's that's uh, that's a definite. That sounds fantastic. Definite next thing. Well, we're going to have to have you back, um, and and we're going to now put you on on the spot. So yes. when the, when the new book is uh, launched, I'd like to be one of the first to know. Uh, for sure. And for then sure. you're in, and then uh, board games. But uh, in the meantime, if somebody wants to get hold of you, um, email address? Colin, C-O-L-I-N, yes. at happysandpit.com. Colin at happysandpit.com. Otherwise, uh, go and check it out, uh, happysandpit.com. Uh, the board game's on there. You can order from the website as well. So you 
you will be able to. Ah. I mean, so we, this is, like I said, it's a bit like the shoemaker's children, you know, it's kind of, so, so there is, I'll, I'll stick up a zapper code. We have a zapper code, so it's easy to actually order off, um, yeah. off, off, and I'll do that. Um, but we haven't, uh, if you go there right now, you probably can't. But uh, somebody sure can drop can. you an email and yeah, you can, yeah, you can yeah, yeah. make all the necessary arrangements yeah, we'll and out ship quick, it out. Quick, quick. Okay. You have stock, just in case. Yeah, yeah, we do. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, can so I have one to you tomorrow? The book's there. The game is there. It's called Iceberg. It's a fantastic game, okay? Um, just having a look at it earlier on, um, it's been so well thought out. Um, the processes are brilliant. And it's, it is. It's the buzzword at the moment, gamification. Um, I've always believed that learning has to be immersive and interactive. This is a great, great way to learn. Uh, also, you can get hold of Colin. He does talks. Uh, he's got keynote presentations. All of that and more you'll find on the website. It's happysandpit.com. Colin, thanks. Thank you Thank so you. much. Thank you. It's such a pleasure. It's always a pleasure. That was fast, eh? It always does, though. I mean, yeah. you know, we, we, we have this. I'm very lucky. I get great guests in every week. So, um, and It's a great show. People, people say to me, but, you know, I'm like, oh, you don't understand. I'm the one that gets so much benefit out of it because I get to meet interesting people. I get to learn, and it's absolutely fascinating. Colin, thank you once again. Go well. We wish you all the best with uh, the game Iceberg, and uh, I can't wait to read the next book. That was uh, my guest, Colin uh, Colin Brown, CEO of happysandpit.com.